So today, I'm bringing on Holly Toronto. She's a certified master level coach helping women do just that, heal their inner good girl. We talk about so many fun things like the five types of a compliant woman and the things that we do just to keep ourselves small and the subtle things that we do all the time that we just don't even realize we're doing. Complying and being good and following the rules is actually, for many of us, linked to our sense of survival. And so the more I started to unpack that, I realized, oh, okay, like we have lots of work to do beyond body image. What's up, lady? And welcome back to the Just Realized podcast. It's your girl, Katie here, your favorite podcast host and stylist, back for another amazing episode. So just want to start off with a big thank you to everybody who's been listening along and Thank you to everyone who sent me messages after last week's episode. I really just want to go delete it. <laughs> I haven't felt vulnerable like that since like my very first episode, um, but it's amazing. And I learned a lot. And again, my intention around sharing that story and my truth was to inspire, literally to fucking inspire other women to do the same thing and step into their authenticity and share, share, share. There's something fucking magical that happens when we share stories, when we share beauty tips, when we share experiences, no matter what the fuck it is. There's something beautiful and magical that happens when the woman comes together and shares and shares with each other. So that's my intention with this podcast is to create deep, deep connection. It's core value of mine and inspire you and just stay inspired. I really think that's it. At the end of the day, I just want to inspire and lead with love in all areas because that's what I want. I want someone who's just going to say exactly the fuck they're thinking and show up as that person. So thank you so much for everyone. And if you're new to this episode, to this podcast, don't go back and listen to last week because <laughs> it's the most vulnerable episode and it's not a good place to start. <laughs> start here. Start now. This is the Big Bitch Roundup where we are stepping in, inspiring, and living out our biggest life and our biggest life dreams. And when I was, what was I doing today? I don't know. I think I was getting my kids ready for school. And I always get these random thoughts and inspiration, and I try to write them down before they leave me. But I wanted to explain more, because like the more I lean into this big bitch energy and living my biggest fucking baddest life, the more I get in my head around just using the word bitch, which is exactly why I want to keep using it. But at the same time, I'm always like, if I say big bitch, do people, what do people think? Like, do they understand what I'm trying to say? Like, when I say big, I mean expansive. And when I say bitch, I just mean badass woman who is here to just shift the way she's thinking and step into a new life. And when I really think of the word big, because I just like it because it's simple and it's easy, is I think of the woman who is here to just do big things, right? And what came to me today was like the woman that's here to live a big life, has big dreams, wants, deserves, craves big money, has a big heart, and really wants to do all do all of this 
through creating big impact. And at the end of the day, I think that's what it's really about. And I've talked about money on this podcast before and my relationship with it, but I really, like, I don't know. I've told you guys this before. Like, I might be obsessed with Rachel Rogers and and um, the idea around women making lots of money because we create fucking change when we have money, right? When we make lots of money, our families live and move in amazing ways and so do our fucking communities. And that's the part, I just have the chills. That's the part that like I'm so excited about. I want to make so much fucking money that I can help so many goddamn people not Yes, I also want to have a pool, but it's really for me about big heart, big impact, big change, big world, big dreams. Like, why do we have to keep playing this game of small stuff, right? And playing small. Like, I think if you ask everyone at their core, the people who really are successful and do it from a place of service, it's yes, having nice things is awesome. We all deserve them. We should all have them if that's what we desire, but also the amount of change and the things I can do, right? It's not just about me and my family. It's the things I can do. Like, oh my God, all the other people that I can help, I can't even imagine. Like my brain goes wild. Like one day, I'm going to say it. I've only shared this with a couple of people. One day I want to have an actual physical location. I have it in my mind of what it is. And it's just like, I don't, like a working center, business center. That sounds so bland and masculine. (laughs) I want a place, a hub, a club where like women come together and just do amazing things. Like we can work there. We can do yoga there. We can run workshops there. We can support each other. We can teach other women. We can run classes. We can literally bring in budding entrepreneurs, get them early. We can teach kids how money shit from like day one. Like I really see this like vision of this amazing cool space where like people just show up and just like do really cool things. And I don't know, clearly the vision's not that well played out in my fucking head it is. And then the one I'm talking, I'm like, this sounds dumb. (laughs) So anyways, you get the drift. So it's all about big lives, big hearts, big money, big impact. And that's the show. So speaking of all of those things and speaking of creating big life and big dreams and supporting other women, I have another big bitch guest for you today. So I'm super pumped about this one. She, it's someone I met online, clearly. How else am I meeting people? And we've been emailing back and forth for a couple months, maybe even shit, I don't know, six months or so about collaborate connecting on podcasts. And at the time, it just like, I don't know what I was doing, but it wasn't a fit at the time. And I was like, just keep it in mind. Like, I don't know, like right now, but just keep it in mind and let's connect. And then we reconnected and she just said like the one thing and it just was like, oh my fucking God. She was like, I've really been leaning into helping my clients get over their fucking good girl programming. She didn't say it like that, but you get the drift. I am helping women heal their inner good girl. And I was like, oh my God, we have to talk. So today 
I'm bringing on Holly Toronto. She's a certified master level coach helping women do just that, heal their inner good girl. We talk about so many fun things like the five types of a compliant woman and the things that we do just to keep ourselves small and the subtle things that we do all the time that we just don't even realize we're doing. And that's the shit that gets under my skin because we all do it all the time. And it's a fine line between, it's a fine line between all of it. So this is anyone that, it's a woman, identifies as a woman that takes on that invisible load that women oftentimes take on in our society. So I, again, have the chills. We talk about so many fun things and we go into some words that I feel like we throw around a lot in society, online, Instagram, whatever, that we really don't know the meanings of or we think we know the meanings of. And I've kind of been on this new kick lately where I love to like look at words, the root of words, where they came from, fucking that Latin that I took in high school is finally coming in handy and really looking at what they are derived from and the a meaning of them, like a dictionary definition of what they mean, and then kind of how we use them in context all the time. Nothing's wrong with using words in different contexts and things like that. I have a teenager, preteen, like I get it. <laughs> we all throw words out there all the time that have all kinds of meanings. But when we're talking about some of these subjects where I think things like codependency and you know, how are we holding ourselves back and making ourselves small? It's really, really good to like dive a little bit deeper and really clarify because what happens is like we glaze over these things and we just hear them all the time. And then we create our own stories, which obviously the only filter we can live through is our own filter and our own experience. But that's why I think having guests on the show is so important. That's why I fucking love podcasts and podcasting because it gives you access to so many different people and so many different people's experience and filters of life and throw away whatever doesn't feel good to you. But there might be a nugget or a gem in there that like really can shift the way you think on something or where you were stuck with something. So I had a really good time with today's episode. We talk about resources. We talk about, of course, uh, we talk about how does she tap in to releasing her um, and her good girl through her style. What does that look like for her? Her answer is amazing. And overall, it's just a really good, fun episode. I'm excited to be back with a... Um, not so personal story, even though all of my episodes feel really, really personal. I really don't hold things back and I just talk off the cuff, but I'm glad to just be back with a regular ass episode, but actually it's not regular at all. So tune in, check it out, DM me your aha moment. Let me know what really resonated with you. Just the word good girl programming fucking triggers me by itself because I know there's all areas where things pop up for us where we're like, I can't do that. And I hear myself do that more and more. And I'm really leaning in this spot of like challenging my beliefs. My coach, I've had her on here before. My former coach, Amanda Walker, um, said this one thing to me that I can just never let it go. Like, out of all the things that she's taught me and all the time we've spent together, she said, 
Like, tell me, like, what's holding you back in your business right now? Or what's holding you back in your life right now? And, like, whatever your answer is. And she'll be like, well, does it hold up in the court of law? And I'd be like, well, of course it does. And she's like, no, like, is that a fact? So, like, I need you to tell me the facts. And I just did that to myself last night. I was spiraling a little bit, and I had to write down the facts. And I was like, oh, my God. We don't give ourselves credit for stuff. And, like, our minds are so powerful. So I invite you to use this episode as a space to start that process if you don't already do that process and or to lean into it a little bit deeper and really kind of challenge yourself about where do some of these things come up for you in your life and like how can you just like get 1% better every single day and where might you be holding yourself back a little bit with some of this compliance and yeah, it's fun. And you know me, I like to go deep, but always have fun. So enjoy, and I will see you guys on the other side. Talk to you soon. Bye. Hey, ladies, and welcome back to the Just Realized podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. Oh my God, the energy is already great. And before we even hit the record button. So today's guest is Holly Toronto. She's a certified master level coach helping women heal their inner good girl. And I am so freaking excited for this conversation. Just the words, good girl, like get me going. Like you could have just only wrote that in the email and I'd be like, let's do this. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, Katie. I'm, I'm so excited for this conversation. Me too. I'm so excited. So let's just jump right in. And um, and I'm also like, I feel like every person I've had on the podcast is someone that I have met in a community or at an event. I have like the one event I went to before COVID, right? So it's like every guest on my podcast, I'm like my um, podcast are probably tired of hearing it. But um, so I'm really excited for this because Holly and I really don't know each other. So you are going to just like watch our relationship unfold on the podcast. I just got the chills. So let's start by you just telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Well, I I actually like cold pitched you <laughs> to be on your podcast after listening to one of your episodes. I forget which one. Um, and so like I always just love to to share that. Like I've just being an entrepreneur, getting comfortable with like asking and like putting yourself out there to pitch yourself is like it's a skill to be learned, but also like there's so many benefits to it because I've developed amazing relationships just from like cold pitching people. So thank you for being uh, like receiving of that. And you're also going to come on my podcast, which is going to be amazing. Um, so, so yeah, I, as you mentioned, I am a certified master level coach. My specialization for the past five years has been in health, but through the lens of body image and intuitive eating, because my own personal journey really stemmed from growing up with a lot of body shame. I mean, from like the age of five years old, wanting to change my body that manifested in disordered eating and all of that kind of stuff, which eventually led me to becoming a health coach and then um, specifically a body image coach. But the more I've evolved in my work as a coach, I started to get really curious about, okay, well, why why is it that 91% of women are dissatisfied with their bodies and turning to disordered eating and dieting in order to remedy that? Why is it that we're in this constant compare and despair or competition mode with other women when it comes to our appearance or our careers or all of these other aspects of our lives? And the more curious I got about it, I was like, oh, and we can go deep down a rabbit hole here. I'm like, 
women have been conditioned to be compliant. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> We've how been... much time do you have, Holly? It's going to take longer I'll than an clear hour. Clear my afternoon. <laughs> clear my afternoon. Um, but you think about even just like the first poem I ever learned when I was a little girl was, "What are little girls made of? Sugar and spice and everything nice, right?" And and that was absolutely like the ethos of my life growing up. I grew up in a very religious household, um, very fundamentalist household, being good, looking good. All of those types of things were very, very important to my sense of love and safety and belonging, my, my ecology. And so the more I started to unpack this, I was like, wow, it's not even just in how we look that we're complying to society's ex- expectations, to the male gaze, to what other women expect of us, right? It's in how we're navigating our career choices. It's in how we're navigating the decisions that we make, whether that's to be a boss bitch or to be a mother, right? It, it's in how we're navigating relationships and not speaking up and using our voice and setting boundaries. It's in how we are navigating the toxic cesspool of social media and self-silencing and not and being afraid to share our controversial opinions like it shows up in so many different areas of our lives and we could go deep into where this comes from and i have many many theories like a lot of people like to just make it really simple and say patriarchy and i'm like yes and <laughs> like there's also this like deep conditioning almost like biological conditioning in us as women where we want we need to fit in with each other right? We need to know that we belong. We need to know that we're not going to be ostracized from our community, from our tribe. And so complying and being good and following the rules is actually, for many of us, linked to our sense of survival. And so the more I started to unpack that, I realized, oh, okay, like we have lots of work to do beyond body image, right? We have lots of work to do around what I call the reclamation of our feminine freedom, our feminine essence, where we are using um, our voice, right? Unapologetically setting boundaries, sharing our controversial opinions, where we perhaps differ from other people, where we're standing firm in what, how we're listening to our intuition and allowing our intuition to guide us. And like, really standing in our power and knowing that we are so deserving of the life that we deeply desire, even if it goes against conventions and what's expected of us. So that's kind of in a nutshell what it is I do with my clients and and the work that I, I'm really excited about right now. I'm like speechless. I think this is the first time I'm just like my jaw is like, okay, what do I start with? Like so fucking good. Oh my God. So... Definitely want to talk about compliant. Like that word, just you struck a chord with me a thousand percent. I love, I just love the word reclamation anyway. So like, can we please, I just was like writing down reclamation Mm -hmm. of feminine freedom. Oh, so good. But before we even get there, like I want to go all the way back to the beginning where you were talking about cold pitching because it was so funny this morning and I was really, really excited for this. And when you first reached out, I can tell you exactly, I don't remember the timeline, but I can tell you exactly mentally where I was with like, I'm just trying to figure my shit out. (laughs) Just don't know where you fit in right now. (laughs) But don't like, don't not reach back out, right? Because I'm so like obsessed with, and maybe this goes back to some of the things you were saying. I'm so, I think for me, it's because I've been separated from women my whole life, being in corporate America. And when you are, mm, 
how do I say like so is male dominated so when there's not a lot of you then like you instead of like coming together you usually keep each other apart because like there's only room for one of us at the table right so if you come in then what happens so I think that's why now I'm like so obsessed with helping and supporting and being around and connecting with other women but I remember that and I was thinking this morning I was like and we reconnected again, and then you were like, you just said the words good girl. And I was like, oh, I'm so glad we met now because, like, I just know so much more of, like, myself and where I'm headed. And then I feel like you kind of had the same, like, clarity. And, like, it was just one of those, like, everything happens for a reason moments. Mm-hmm. Divine timing. <laughs> I know, which, like, drives me nuts and I love at the same time. Yes. Um. The other thing you said that, like, I also want to make sure we talk about is when you had said, like, oh, you have to pick, like, oh, I'm a boss bitch or I'm a mom. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's been, like, the last 12 years of my life is, like, I couldn't be both. And I was telling my husband, like, I worked so hard to be seen as, like, a man. And so, like, oh, I can travel. My kids will be fine. I can make more money. My husband can just take the day off of work, blah, 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 all these things. And I feel like I missed some of the beautiful pieces of feminine energy like putting that in a box and hiding it because I wouldn't be viewed as valuable in my corporate job so like so much I don't even know where to start so let's just hop right in and then like let's talk about origins like I love a good origin story and like you were saying like compliance like oof, oh yeah. got me going okay there's there's so like we can unpack all of that for sure, like the compliance piece of it, the reclamation piece of it, and then like the feminine essence piece of it and and like the choosing that we feel like we have to do as as women. And then also just, yeah, I have lots of lots of thoughts on that. So let's talk about compliance. So I actually, I have it broken down um, because I was thinking about good girl and I I love the language of good girl because it kind of gets you like you're, you're talking about right there. Like, ooh, like it almost feels like a gut punch. But I also feel like once I, I start working with somebody or going deeper with somebody on this work, I don't want to continue to be a part of infantilizing women. Mm. Right? I don't want to continue to put that label of like, you're just a girl because you're not. You're a grown-ass woman, right? And, and so I usually kind of like switch the language to, okay, where have you been the compliant woman? Right. Mm-hmm. Where have you been operating from the place of compliant woman? And compliance literally means like without protest, right? Like follow, like doing something without protest, like t- like doing what you're told without protest. And like, you know, compliance organization, like compliance departments and organizations exist for a reason, right? To keep people on track doing the right thing. And there's like obviously many like valid reasons to be a compliant citizen, right? So like, that's not what I'm saying. It's just like buck all the rules and like, and, and don't, um, and, and like get yourself like put in jail or arrested or something like that. But when I'm talking about compliance, it's when we ignore our own voice, when we ignore our intuition and when we disregard our power for the sake of making other people comfortable. So much of compliance is really about codependency and how we abdicate our, our power in order to please other people and protect their emotions and disregard ourselves. And so I actually have it broken down. If it's helpful, I can I can kind of walk us through this. There's five different ways that I've noticed that we as women um, play out the compliant woman. Would you like yes, me to, to go into it, them? Okay, cool. So I, I, yeah. I have them written down because I can tend to like ramble a little bit. I'll go through one at a time and let me know if you like want me to um, elaborate on any of them. So the first one, and this is one that I struggled with for so long. And it's one that I I definitely help my clients with. But 
The first one is self-silencing. And the manifestation of how this generally shows up with my clients, with me, is like keeping quiet when you hold an alternative perspective. Mm. Or saying yes when you really mean no, or no when you really mean yes. Or believing that your voice has no value, right? So if you're in a social situation and you know people are talking about a topic that you don't really know a lot about and you want to ask a question, but you feel like, oh, I'm dumb if I have questions, right? Or yeah. or oh, like my like I'm not as smart as everyone here, right? You kind of make yourself smaller. So that's kind of how I see self-silencing manifesting and and really the motivation behind it is is kind of like what we come back to around codependency right not wanting to rock the boat not wanting other people to be upset with you fearing rejection having that sense of uncertainty like oh what if i don't know enough and i make myself look stupid right so like that's all that's happening for us when we are in a place of self-silencing so that's the first one before i go on is there anything you want to say about about that um, I love that because there's a thing I used to do when I was younger that I try to catch myself on now that I think falls in this is like the perfect example of like if someone offers you a drink and you'll say no, even though you're really fucking thirsty, like you don't want to put them out. And I'm like, this is so dumb. I'm fucking dying. Why did I just say no? <laughs> yes. I I have an example that I share often um, because it's like it's a defining moment in in my own self-denial where I was out at an event with some friends and we were... This feels like ancient days, but we were at karaoke, right? And we were like all huddled together on this like little bench singing songs and a drink spilled. And my friend was wearing these really heavy like boots and she was sitting next to me and she like spread her legs to like avoid the spill and stomped on my foot so hard, like so hard. The pain was so intense for me. Like you know, when you stub your toe, it's like the most yeah. painful thing. And I literally, because I didn't want to make her feel bad about it. I sat there like wringing my hands and just like, like trying to breathe and like keep in what wanted to be like this guttural scream of agony <laughs> because, and the only reason I did that was because I didn't want to upset her. Right. And so like, that's the kind of stuff that we do. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to be an inconvenient. So I'm not going to ask for that drink of water or, oh, I'm going to um, not tell that person that they hurt my feelings, right? Or they physically harmed me because I don't want them to feel bad. And then who loses out, right? When when we do that, right? We lose out, but then also our friends lose out too because they lose out on an opportunity to to repair. They lose an opportunity to say like, oh, I'm you know I'm sorry that it hurt you. Or like, oh, oh my god, are you okay? Like I'm I'm sure they would have like wanted to make sure my friend my friend would have wanted to make sure like my toe wasn't broken. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so we. We lose out on both ends when we are self-silencing from um, having our own needs be met, but also like creating a more authentic experience in our relationships with others as well. That's a really, really, really good point. I feel like I'm kind of going through that with my husband. We've been together for 21 years and God, (laughs) fuck, it's taken me 21 years to truly receive support from this man because I was such an independent like woman. And like for the first time I've needed support in a way I haven't. And I'm like, why did I wait so long? (laughs) Sometimes it it does take like an event in our lives (laughs) to help soften us and, and like force us to be vulnerable to actually speak up, but then, you know, and I don't know the specific situation between you and your husband or like where you are in that process, but I can see for myself in times where I've actually spoken up to whether it was my partner or a friend of mine that I was needing support with from um, how much it deepens our relationship with each other. 
Yes. It was like when I lost my corporate job last year and I had to come to him and say, and being the breadwinner of the family and say, I don't want to look for a job and I have no fucking idea what I want to do next because I didn't have the business yet. And just like that was a such a big pivotal moment for us. Like it's like I thought we had a good marriage. And then like now it's like leaping, leapfrogging because of that like moment. And it was just about me getting vulnerable because I was so dead set on being a boss bitch and like doing all the things and like I don't need a man like I have one I love you I appreciate you but I don't need you and like I don't need you to see me vulnerable mm-hmm. yeah oh my gosh it is it's it's like when we allow ourselves to be seen by yes. someone even that in that way even if it's like I've been with my partner for 13 years you've been with yours for 21 like oh my god it is so so like it makes us feel like raw and exposed and it's very scary like it's easier to keep on our masculine shields right mm-hmm. our like which like that's kind of what the boss bitch independent woman she like is it's like there's a there's a masculinity to it i'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that by any means if a woman's more in her masculine but um yeah that it's like it's so much more challenging to let ourselves be held yes. in that way even though I can get on this podcast and like spill my guts because that's different because these people don't live in my house and like my emotional decisions, financial decisions don't impact you. Right. Like we're just sharing this like moment, but with someone that close, it's like everything I do impacts your life. Like, directly <laughs> totally 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 um but number talk- two sorry number two. no tangent. it's good it's good so the the second one is self-denial and and how this one will show up is kind of like it it, it layers onto to self-silencing so self-denial is like shoving down our big feelings um ignoring our body's needs for rest and nourishment and not trusting our intuition so the motivation behind that is, again, codependency, not wanting to share our big feelings, our big desires with our partners, um, fear of being like too much, which I think kind of also speaks to my example before where I denied the pain that I was in because I was like, if I let out my body what wants to come out of me, like with how much pain I'm in, then I'm, they're going to be like, oh, she's so dramatic. She's so over the top, which I mean, how many of us as women are afraid of getting that that label of, oh, she's a drama queen. She's too much, right? Um, all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the last piece of it is is lacking in self-trust, right? Where we don't actually feel like we can trust ourselves to say, and I'm not saying this was your situation, but like to say, I, I want to leave my corporate job. I don't, or I don't want to continue to work in the corporate world. And we can actually trust that that's like the voice of our our highest self or our intuition that's guiding us. Mm-hmm. So good. I'm trying to keep it. Yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. So I'll go through the next one. <laughs> uh, the next one is self-sacrificing. So this is our inability to ask for help, ask for our needs to be met. Again, saying yes when we really mean no, giving up on or pushing off our dreams and desires, all of that stuff that I think, especially mothers, and I'm not um, a mother yet, but I, I see it with my mom clients and my mom friends like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. when the kids are in school, then then I'll do this or whatever it might be. And again, the, the motivation behind that codependency. It always comes back to codependency. Uh, Societal expectations around like what a good woman does Mm -hmm. and as well as self-doubt, right? Not thinking that is actually possible for us. Um, 
the next Real quick, one before you move yeah. on, can you give like a really quick anyone who's listening and like maybe they're not as familiar with the term codependency. Mm-hmm. What that, how that, what that means for you? Yeah. So codependency, it's a it's a therapeutic term, and so it's it's something that like I I work with a therapist who special specializes in codependency, and there's many different manifestations of it. People often think that codependency means that you're overly dependent on someone, mm-hmm. and it's like yeah, that's part of it, but often Oftentimes, how we see it manifest is through trying to manage other people's feelings to keep ourselves safe, right? Or manage That's what other I was hoping you were going to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Or manage other people's experiences yes. in order to keep ourselves safe. And so we like, oftentimes it, it shows up as like, well, I just don't want them to feel bad, right? Or I don't want to make them upset. And we think it's coming from this like selfless place of like not wanting to hurt feelings, but it's actually us that's like, being selfish in that moment, right? It's like, because we basically what we're saying is that, like, we don't hold that person as powerful and capable of being able to manage their own feelings and that we know better than them, right? Yes. But it's all coming from this place of like self preservation. And so we have a lot of compassion for it, but it's, it's definitely something that's like detrimental to our own sense of self and to being able to have nourishing, fulfilling, and authentic relationships. Mm, That's so good. Thank you. Because I feel like that's one of those words that we use a lot. And when we don't slow down to think about what it really means that we Mm do, oh, you're just like codependent on this person. But that is my work to be done Mm -hmm. is managing someone else's experience or expectation. And that as a mom, I think that's when I really started to notice it, right? Because you want to watch your child feel a feeling other than joy or happiness is like the worst fucking thing. You feel so helpless and you want to control it. And then I started to see how I did that in other pieces of my life. I was like, God damn, I've been managing. Like, I can't, you have to learn how to work through your own feelings. I cannot do it for you. So thank you for that. But go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So the next piece of it is is self-limiting, self-limitation. And that looks like downplaying your strengths, right? Like, oh, like, oh, I'm not really that good. It's like that faux humility thing that we do mm-hmm. sometimes. Or it could also show up as, as lack mentality. And I see this a lot for I work with a lot of um clients who are also coaches and they want to, you know, do big work in the world, but they're like, oh, I just don't know enough. Right. Like I need, I need to like do another course, right? In order to feel like I know enough. Or like the lack mentality of there's just not enough time. There's just not enough space. Um, and then it'll also show up as like playing small. Like, you know, an older version of me might not have had the courage to reach out to somebody I don't know and ask them if I could like come on their podcast and talk about good girl programming. Um, because I like. I, I'm just like, oh, I'm, I, I, who am I, right? Who am I to do that? Um, and then the motivation behind that is is lacking in self trust, fear of being our full self, which we were kind of talking a little bit about before. Is like, yeah, when we are full self, it is vulnerable. It is like raw. It is like you're open and out there. And it doesn't mean you don't have boundaries by any means, but like it's it to let somebody see us in the fullness of who we are is is incredibly terrifying. Um, and also codependency. Codependency <laughs> links into all of these. Um, and then the last one is self-questioning. And so how this will show up is imposter syndrome, constantly changing your mind. Like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do this. And like, oh, actually, I think it's this thing I want to do. Uh, and then outsourcing our intuition. So like 
it's all well and good to ask our friends for their advice or what they think that we should do in a situation. But if we're constantly doing that, we're not actually listening to valuable insight that we hold in our bodies, right? In our spirit. And so it's also really important that we have access to that. And the motivation behind that is staying stuck in our comfort zone, which is so much more comfortable, obviously, lacking self-trust and codependency. So those are like the five major manifestations that I see of the compliant woman archetype or what we also call the good girl archetype. Oh, so good. So I'm like spinning a little bit because... And I'm going to... Well, I'm not even going to use the word assume. I bet a lot of people feel like they can identify with different pieces of all of that, like Mm -hmm. whether you're feeling it right now or you've done it at a different point in your life. So then the first thing that comes up with me is like, well, where in the fuck do I start? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what do you mean? Like, where do we start with like, like healing the compliant? Yeah. Like, okay. So what, (laughs) what do I start with first? Cause I think all of these resonate on some level. Mm -hmm. Of course they do. And, and I find that, there might be one area that we feel the most... I feel like I want to create a quiz around this, but I just haven't had the time yet. But like, I feel like there's one area that really stands out as like, for most of us is, ooh, like that's really painful. Like for me, it's self-silencing. Like that's the one area, especially when I'm in... Um, you know, a vulnerable environment where like I, I have to be really intentional about not silencing myself. And so I'm, I'm I'm guessing for listeners, there's like one that's like, oof, yeah, like, ow, that's really painful. I do that. And what I always say is like, oh, okay, well, we're going to start with that area. Like we're going to start there. And generally what I see happen is that when we, when we start with one, then the others naturally tend to fall in line. Um, I, I'm not as a coach, somebody who likes to go wide with like a bunch of different things with a client. Like I like to go deep with something. And so I would say mm-hmm. focusing on one area, like if it's self-silencing or self-limiting um, to practice what the opposite of that is, <laughs> then um, then that would be like a way to not get overwhelmed by all of the ways in which to work on ourselves. And I think I want to say this too, because it feels really important that when we're doing this work, it's easy to kind of fall into a place of like, I'm broken, right? There's just something wrong with me. And I I share all of this with you and with your audience, not from a place of you're broken. like Because I just genuinely don't believe that any human being is beyond repair or broken in any way. I think that we can fragment parts of ourselves and, and forget parts of ourselves. But that deep knowing and that connection to our voice, our intuition, our power is always there. It's just about clearing the noise and coming back to that. So remember that you're not broken. Remember that it's also not your fault. This is a lot of this is a part of conditioning. A lot of this started to, to come up when you were like four, five, six years old. These these patterns and these strategies started to like show up very, very young ages for us. So have compassion for like their origin point because it was like a very young version of you that started doing this. And also know that when we have this awareness around how the compliant woman or the good girl is showing up in our life, it's like, oh well, shit. Like, okay, I know this now. I'm empowered. To make a different choice. Now I can actually take responsibility. Like it's not my fault, but it is my responsibility to heal. Yes. I love that. And I love that quote. I think it's a Maya Angelou quote of like, once you know, you can't like unknow or whatever. I know I just fucking butchered that, but yeah. <laughs> Something along those lines. Yeah. It it's sounds like, right. <laughs> once you like know it, like you can never not know it. So it's yep. like, even if it's baby steps, which I'm a fucking huge fan of baby steps. Oh, yes. 
<laughs> is because I didn't used to believe in them. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have to like leap through. through yeah, one of those I was like, each step. wow. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like 1% change over time. Like that's, that's how we lead to the biggest change, like the biggest results in our lives where we suddenly wake Absolutely. up, you know, a year, two, three into our work and we're like, oh shit, like I'm not playing small. I mean, maybe I'm just playing small in these, some, some of these areas, but look at all these areas that I'm playing really big. And I yeah. wasn't doing that last year, the year before. And so it's like these small changes over time that that absolutely add up to making a tremendous difference in our life. And it's it's the big leaps that often <laughs> signal to our, our amygdala, right? Like the part of our brain that likes things to just remain the same, just keep it comfortable, keep it known, keep it certain. It's like, oh, it becomes way too much for that part of our brain. And that's when we self-sabotage, right? So we can have these moments of like big, like, oh my God, I did the thing. And then oftentimes what happens is there, there's a low that happens like or we contract afterwards and we're not able to keep up with sustainable change because it's just too much for our nervous system. Yes. Yes, yes. So much yes there. Um, I have so many questions, but I want to kind of swing back. That's amazing. But I want to kind of swing back a little bit to origin. So you were just kind of touching on that around um, these are things that you've picked up from when you're young. And something I've noticed, well, like I'm not perfect by any means, but something I've just noticed come through with my daughter lately is like she's saying things and like, and buying back into things and I'm like where are you getting this from because it's not stuff that we do or say in our house or con- you know maybe subconsciously some of this is slipping through because I mean obviously my husband and I have our own conditioning to work through but I'm like where are you picking this up from and so I just want to talk about like origin story because it, it can be so much bigger like I don't think people realize how they're influenced on every single level of their life every single interaction with everyone in their life is so powerful. Like, you know, we watch all these different things. And I guess it's easier for me to see it with my daughter because we've been together and then now they're back in school. So you can kind of see where that gap is so clear because you're like, oh, this is absolutely a school thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you hit on a really important point there when I talk about like origin points, like I want to be clear that there's multiple, (laughs) right? Like there's Mm -hmm. like, there's not just one point in your life where it's like suddenly my good girl programming or my compliant woman programming or like originated from this place. But there's small moments over the course of our life, many happening very in a very young ages that taught us to be, to, to be conditioned in this way. And so like, like for me personally, like I, I'd sort of um, glossed over that I grew up in a religious fundamentalist household, but like that's actually the defining like origin point for me in my own good girl programming. Like I, I was taught from, um, and again, like this is not me shitting on religion because I, I, I think that religion can be a beautiful tool. I've reconnected to um, Christianity in really beautiful ways that are outside of like how I was raised, but like the the foundation like the foundational principle of christianity is like original sin right like you were born bad and you have to do x y and z and say x y and z in order to be redeemed in order to be good and so like that was sort of like how i operated from a very very young age it was like okay i'm bad i'm bad i'm bad and i have to make myself good and so like and i have to be very regimented with who i am and i, I can never stray from this path and and if I do, like my sense of mortality is at risk. You know what I mean? Like my, mm. like I might go to hell, right? And so that's been a lot for me to unpack. But this can, this can come from. I think about a client of mine that um, 
was like sort of a gifted and talented child, right? Like had a lot of intelligence, did really well in school, and became highly valued by the adults in her life because of that gifted and talentedness, right? And like, if there was a moment of failure or not doing as well, because there was so much pressure on that being her value, it it like totally atrophied her sense of self, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm horrible. I'm bad. And so I think it's really important for us and, and with, with like a supportive coach or a therapist to kind of like suss out like, who taught you this? Or what, what is the... Like, where did, when's the first time that you remember um, feeling like you needed to live into somebody else's expectations? Otherwise, you might lose your sense of belonging or your sense of love. So good. Yeah. Like that's, that's a question that I spend a lot of time exploring with my clients. And it's always multifaceted and layered. And we're uncovering new pieces all the time um, because it's not just one thing. Hmm, that's so fucking good. I don't even know where else to take it. But like you said, it's so layered and it's so different for for each person, right? Because then my story is completely different. And then my take on religion is totally different, um, which is why I don't talk about it because I don't even know how I feel. I do know how I feel about it, but I don't think it's in a healthy space. So I won't <laughs> yeah. even touch it. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. it kicks up a lot of my shit um, yeah, around really. being a woman. <laughs> the first time someone told me I was a rib, I was like, no, 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 that's not the game we're playing here, sir. Nope. Not, not a rib. No, no. no. <laughs> not my fault. You ate the apple either. So whatever. <laughs> Joking. Um, and not, um, that's so fucking amazing. And like, uh, so one thing that I want to circle back around to is, fuck, I have so many questions. I don't even know where I'm going to start, but let's talk about self-validation for mm-hmm. a minute, because mm-hmm. we talked about all of these ways that were showing up, um, as a compliant woman. And I, I want to talk about self-validation. And then I want to talk about where do you think, women are struggling the most with being compliant women. And I'm guessing it's probably social media and I'd love to fucking hash that out. (laughs) Um, But let's talk about self-validation before we talk about social media. That's something I felt like I struggled with a ton is like that self-validation piece. And I always consider myself to be a strong person and confident and all these things and independent But then when I really started to pull it back, I was just reacting and I still am those things, but I was just reacting into what people expected of me. Like they expected me to do this. They expected me to be blunt or whatever and all of these things. And then that was how I validated was like from the productivity, from the good grades or whatever it was, um, from just like whatever it was. And then when I had to learn to self-validate after like you know, having kids and losing your career and like losing your identity or whatever it was, you're just like, shit, who am I? And like, how do I make myself feel good outside of this? Like losing my job was one of the biggest fucking ego blows ever, like 11 years into this company. And like, I just didn't see it coming. I was like, okay, this shakes me to my core of what I thought like my value was or who I was as a person and like how I made money, like just all of the things. Um, so yeah, let's talk about self-validation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, there's so there's so many things about what you just said that I want to pull apart. And I'm Go gonna specifically it. address the self-validation thing because I have a very specific tool around that that like that I help my clients with. Um 
that speaks so beautifully to what you're talking about. But you said this this thing that I think is so important to suss out that that you have always been this strong, blunt woman, right? And I like I actually really even we, this is our only interaction we had. I'm like, yeah, I, like I love that about Katie. Like I already love that you're just like fuck, like you're you're cursing and you're like um, you're you're very unapologetic. That's like what I'm picking up on in, in just our conversation and. But then also this noticing that you have that like people started to value you for that. Mm-hmm. They like even even I'm like yeah I love this about you. But how that also might inform perhaps and and this is just like my interpretation and let me know if it doesn't land with you at all. But how that also might inform um perhaps a resistance to softening. Oh god yeah. And being vulnerable <laughs> and <laughs> like what you're talking about before right mm-hmm. like to be more in your feminine, to be softer, to be um, like what you are as a multifaceted human being who has masculine and feminine within her and is like blunt and is strong, but also soft and tender and a mother and vulnerable. And like how, like what's needed in, in this starts with ourselves really is to value all of those parts of ourselves. So you can value the parts of you that are that are strong and and blunt, but then also valuing the parts that are tender and vulnerable, and and then how that teaches other people to accept us in the fullness of who we are, right? Because we're not only showing them one side of ourselves. So I just wanted to address that because I thought it was really, really. No, you important. nailed it. You totally nailed it. And like, and I think that's why I struggled so much with like mom guilt and like my career and what I wanted there, and then like being a mom, and then because when I became a mom for lack of better words, I became like a complete fucking pushover mom. Like my kids know, like, oh, you want something? Just ask mom because she's <laughs> going to say yes. Yeah. Like to this day, like it's a family joke. Like my husband's always like, how do they make you turn into that person? And that's like where he sees it the most of like this super independent woman. And then this like, just whatever, oh, anything for you. Let me like wipe your butt. You know, like anything. <laughs> fucking anything for those kids. And that's why I said, like, being vulnerable in front of him. And, of course, because he's the person closest to me, I think he caught the brunt of that, of, like, I don't know how to be both of these people. So you're just going to get, I, you know, what's left of how I am, like, handling both of these energies at the same time. And I never gave myself to that permission. And then I saw that vulnerability show up. And I've talked about this on the podcast. is like, even, like, having fun. Like, having fun and laughing and dancing and being silly is vulnerable. But... Like, humor is such a fucking core value of mine, and it would bother me so much that I was like, can these two things exist at the same time? Because if I'm funny, now I've broken down a barrier to let you in a little bit, to know me more, and then now I feel vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, the feminine is is humor. The feminine is play. The feminine is pleasure and, like, silliness and all of that, like, childlike joy that is not necessarily valued in yeah. in our culture and and I was <laughs> I was talking about this actually with a guest who is on my podcast podcast she's brilliant her name is Evelyn Evelyn Hale and she's like a a masculine feminine polarity coach and mm. does a lot of work around trauma and I was like why is it that humor and playfulness and silliness is something that's not held up as like 
uh, a quality in women that we want more of, right? Mm-hmm. And and just what she said was, and it was like, ooh, like yeah, that's kind of true. Is that that has historically been associated with, um, not as appealing from a attractiveness standpoint, mm. right? Like the funny was associated with the girl who's maybe like a little bit homey or doesn't dress as well, or like it's kind of like compartmentalizes women into like, okay, you're you're this, you're like not as attractive, but you're really, really funny. Or you're super like good looking and but like a boss bitch or you know overly overly feminine, right? Mm-hmm. And so like it's it's kind of taught us that we can't be all of those things, um, and and so like and if we are those things, then maybe we're not going to be as attractive. Yeah. And it's like it's hard to like we're not going to be seen as, attra- as 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 attractive as we are, and like that's confronting for many of us as women when we're also taught that our value is in our beauty. So oh, it's yeah. like it's all very very layered um, and like uncomfortable to look at <laughs> for sure, but. I think a lot of our work as as women is is again being able to own the fullness of who we are as like uh, we've talked about so many different parts of of you right now that are like bold and go-getter but then also mother and tender but then also playful and silly like there's so much of you and it's like we we have to um we don't have to but like what I want to what I want to encourage women is to like value all of those parts of themselves actually above all of the external manifestations of who they are, right? Mm. To actually let those parts of you lead the external and kind of speaks to your conversation before around like losing your identity, like after leaving your corporate job and and having that like, like that boss woman identity, having that sort of stripped from you um, and how that shakes your sense of value, like can make it like absolutely crumble. And like, I've been there on so many different occasions. And that's what happens when we build our worth and we build our value on something that's outside of us. Because the thing is, is that external stuff is always going to be temporary. Our jobs are going to be temporary. Our relationships, you know, like are going to take on different forms over the course of our lives. Even if there's not like a breakup or a divorce or something that happens in a partnership, you're going to take on many different iterations in your relationship over the course of your life. You're going to be a, like a mom who's really involved in her kid's life at one point, but guess what? They're going to be teenagers one day and want more space from their mother. Um, careers end, bodies change. Like y'all, like <laughs> let's just be honest. Like you're not meant to have the same body that you had when you're 16, when you're in your 40s, 50s, and beyond, and 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 even 20s and 30s and beyond, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's just not realistic. Like all of these external parts of us change. And when we place our value and our worth on those things, that's very shaky ground for us to maintain our sense of self and our our sense of worth. And so what I'm doing with my clients is is I'm working on something that we call the be-do-have versus the have-do-be model, which is very common in in personal development spaces. It's not something that I coined by any means. Um, But the have-do-be model is essentially what we're talking about. right? It's like, I have the ideal job. I have the ideal relationship. I have the ideal body. Then I can take action for my life because I know like... Oh, like I'm good because I have these external things, right? This these status markers. Mm-hmm. And then I'll be worthy. Then I'll be enough. Then I'll be valuable. Right. And so the work is really flipping that on its head and coming back to this place of no, 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 I am worthy and I am valuable, actually, just as I am. Like stripped down of all of the stuff, like stripped down of the relationship, stripped down of the career, stripped down of the ideal body, even the perfect wardrobe, all of that stuff, like just naked here. <laughs> I am worthy. Well, not enough. the wardrobe part though. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> no, <I'm joking. laughs> She's like, 
I draw the line there. I, I draw the line. Um, like, no, that has to still, but like, but that's the thing is like when, when we're able to strip those things away, mm-hmm. then we can p- bring them back from a much more grounded place. Like, yes. like I think you've even talked about in your podcast, like it's never even about the clothes, right? It's about knowing ourselves at that deeper level. It's about like truly, truly, like this is like a buzzy thing to say, knowing your worth, but like, fuck, we have to know our worth. Like we have to know our worth in order to show up in the fullness of who we are in order to live authentically, right? And to be like firm in our feminine freedom. Like we have to know our like bare bones inherent worth. And it's so incredible what gets to happen is that we get to fill our lives with the things that bring us joy and and create relationships that are that are loving and authentic and and we get to pursue the career that lights us up and we get to dress in a way that feels like self-expression, right? Because it's not something that is totally defining us anymore where if it weren't to be there, we wouldn't know who we are, right? We already know who we are. Uh, so good. It's so true. It's so true. And it, it's such a perfect example of what you just said is like going to college for fashion and fashion being something that I was so into younger before anything was ever, before I'd ever created anything to be stripped in all fairness, right? Mm-hmm. And then going through all of these quote unquote life transitions and then at 40 losing everything, quote, you know, losing what I identified with and then coming back to the fashion and style in this such a different healthy space because I started to, that's what got me through. Like, that's what got me through. And that's when I was like, oh, I see the fucking power in this now. It's not about the clothes. It's about how am I going to figure out who I am again? And it was like that one thing. It was like, just by putting lipstick on, I could get out of bed and make the kids lunch. You know, like, you know, Mel Robbins talk about like her five, four, three, two, one. For me, that was like, okay, I'm putting on this lipstick and I can make your lunch. I'm putting on this lipstick and I can drive you to school. I'm putting on this lipstick and I can go talk to your dad about why I'm just not going to look for a job and make money ever again. (laughs) (laughs) And it yes. just got me through this whole space. And I and then so it was really funny when I was like, oh my God, I know what I want to do with my life. I know what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it like sometimes it it really not like I, I find that it often takes stripping back all of the things that we all of the lenses we saw ourselves through. Yes. Right. On. Like for me, I'm um I'm an Enneagram three. I don't know if you're like super familiar with the Enneagram. It also kind of sounds like you're an Enneagram three. I'm I a three. I, yes. I'm like, I pick on that vibe for sure. And so we know that like achievement and productivity mm. and success is something that like we deeply value as, as Enneagram threes. And that's not a bad thing. Like, I'm not here to say that that's a bad thing. I still love to create and be successful at, at what I do. Like, it feels really, really good for me. But I, it, I operated from a place of unhealth in my mm-hmm. Enneagram 3 for so long to the point of total burnout. Like when I was working in the fashion industry, you and I have like very similar backgrounds in that way. Like I showed up to work with appendicitis. Like I had appendicitis and I fucking showed up for the spring handbag like edit because it was that important, right? And ended up having to leave because I was like, oh my God, my appendix is going to explode. Oh my right? God, my appendix <laughs> at work. Like right. I had to leave and one of my coworkers had to pick up the kids. Wait, yes. you too? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. 
I was supposed to fly to Neocon and I was like, no, my penis is exploding right now. <laughs> that is crazy that we both did that, like showed up to work with appendicitis. Um, yeah. That and morning I said to myself, I was like, Katie, if you don't fucking slow down, your body is going to slow you down. And within minutes, I like did not feel good. It oh, was yeah. the most surreal. Like that was like the beginning. I think of me finally listening to my intuition. And it was a long road from there, but yes. that was a major turning point for me. Oh, same, same. And it, yes, definitely very, very long road from that point. But it was when I started to notice that, oh, my body speaks to me, right? Like my body tells me when she's like, I'm like, I'm done. Like you, you've like, you've you've done too much. Like you've you've expected too much of me. But like I had this whole identity at my job, which was actually a really supportive environment. Like I was lucky and I I because I worked in fashion retail, like there was a lot of women there and and some could be catty and competitive, but like I had a boss who really deeply cared about me and like encouraged me a lot. And I, I but I also got a lot of promotions and I got a lot of bonuses and I got a lot of recognition which fed my my enneagram self of like oh my god i'm this like successful you know i'm like the youngest senior member of the like oh merchant god. team and like all of that stuff and like feeling so good about myself for it and then when i left my corporate job to pursue my career as a health coach because again my body was shutting down and i knew on an intuitive level that like i couldn't sustain that level of output i brought that same energy into building my business and like i had to go to every networking event i had to you know make x amount of dollars a month i had to do like all of these things and and to the point that it made me feel resentful of, of building my own business and like took me out of my passion and my joy for it and so i've really over the past couple of years had to like let go of the I have I don't really have a name for it, but I'll just say like my achiever identity, right? Like the like the 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 person who's like, you know, always doing something and always like seen as successful. Like I had to really strip that away to come back to a place of like, what is it that I actually desire for for my life, for my work, for my business? And it's something that I still I like I'm still trying to suss out because those patterns run so deep. But like I feel more aligned now than I ever have before in like my work and my business. And that's actually kind of what led me to like moving beyond just body image into wanting to talk about this good girl programming because I saw that so clearly for myself with my productivity shit. God, you were speaking to my soul. Like, you know <laughs> me, I think we were connected in a past life. Probably. Oh my God. When you talk about like the Enneagram three and I'm a manifesting generator. So like, just give me all the fucking productivity. Like how can I create, create, create? Like when I think of it, it's like I climbed the top of the mountain and I've hit the goal and I don't even feel the goal because I'm looking at the next, I could see the next mountain that I'm climbing Mm -hmm. and like, Mm -hmm. I don't even experience it. And that was literally like, that was just literally how I operated like my whole life. Um, Yeah. That's why like people are like, it's a gift and a curse in some ways, but like I was just telling a friend, she was like, oh, I really love how you like push through and get things done. And I was like, yes, but I had to be careful because I don't, it's another way that I don't let myself feel my feelings. I don't let myself hear what's happening. I can take like the most traumatic events in my life and be like, put that to the side because guess what? Mama's got a goal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like 
when when we see our friends who are like highly driven and 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 like achieving a lot and we feel the sense of like comparison to them or oh we should be doing as much as them or they just have their shit together mm-hmm. like often, like get curious too about like well, what what might they be sacrificing cuz yeah. often it's their physical mental and emotional well-being <laughs> always that is why I do not show up on social media on the weekends. I have one yes, boundary. Yes. One boundary. <laughs> Good. Good for you. <laughs> yes. It's like I cram everything into the week. And then on the weekend, I'm just like radio silent. And I, I'll try to be. That was the one blessing out of the pandemic is like, and I try to like extend that, not just social media, but just like in general. Yeah. In my life, like it, like you were t- saying about things that you say yes, no, yes to and no to, like birthday parties. <laughs> oh my god, like kids' birthday parties used to be the bane of my existence, and I just started telling my kids, like I've never heard that kid's name before. You're not going to their birthday yeah. party, <laughs> like not going. I mean, like I need to know this kid, and then yeah. I'll know. <laughs> like I got to drop you off, or like when my son was young, is like I had to stay when he's a teenager, so like I can drop him off now, but. I was just like, no, dude, I don't know him. I'm not sitting at the goddamn playground for two <laughs> hours while y'all run around. Like, not going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> I uh, love that mama boundary. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to bring you back on the podcast <laughs> because, like, well, you know, you can see my soul. And um, I just have so many questions. I feel like that, like, so many other things I want to touch on, like, I want to talk about the feminine freedom and all of that. But I feel like we've just shared so many good yes. things. <laughs> So this I have a, a very dynamic conversation. Oh, so good. But oh, this is why I love podcasting. Um, I have a couple more questions. Was there anything else around self-validation or like a tip or um, action step or whatever um, that you wanted to share before I move into? I have some big bitch energy questions for you, Holly. I can't wait. I can't wait. I would say the only other thing is like, because we talked about starting small, like mm-hmm. getting to a place of be do have is like that's an advanced move and it's not going to happen overnight but if you can start with moments of of like small self-validation like validating yourself that you're like oh i emptied the dishwasher like i like i validated myself for that this morning like i emptied the dishwasher today and like that i'm really proud of myself for or i i i I put on lipstick today or I got dressed today. Like validating ourselves for the small things and appreciating ourselves for those small things will allow us to open up to actually acknowledging ourselves on a grander scale for like uh, acknowledging the parts of ourselves that love to play, acknowledging the parts of ourselves that are are intelligent or driven or whatever it might be. These like deeply, um, these, like these core parts of ourselves, like it'll allow us to open up to acknowledge those parts. And so, yeah, I would say just like start small with like even just one acknowledgement or validation of yourself per day and watch what happens. Love it. I try to write down three at the end of my like quote unquote work day. Um, because it helps. Cause like that is my work to be done. I feel like I'm not good at self-validating at all. Yes. So I love that because I totally a thousand percent believe that it works. It helps me see myself in a completely different way. Mm-hmm. All right. So thank you for being like the best big bitch energy guest ever. Like you were totally seeing <laughs> into my soul. And we've talked about like, I feel like this so aligns, like we're going to step away from the compliant woman, the good girl energy. And we're stepping into this new archetype where, you know, we're taking over BDE to Mm -hmm. BBE and we're putting all that energy out there. So that being said, like I was saying, for me, it's always, obviously it comes back to adorning my physical body to feel good, to really like 
express how I feel on the inside on the outside. So what's your big bitch energy outfit or power piece that you like to wear when you're showing up and like taking a baby step towards a true goal or desire? Mm. So it's it's an it's like an outfit thing, not not like something I do. Yes, it has to be like a physical, like I paint my um, fingers red or I wear these earrings or I put on lipstick. Oh, it's... I mean, you can share both, but I want to share your style, your fashion knowledge. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, I would say like it's... God, let me think on this. Like I have one thing that's coming to mind, but... um, Okay, so I'm like a big hair. Like I love big hair, but I don't have big hair. Um, But I like try to make myself a big hair. Like if I can get like like bedhead like like post-sex hair like that's my favorite thing in the entire world and there's lots of teasing and combing that happens with that um and then bright red lipstick like that's those are the two that i will go to because you can do like really simple things my my style since i leaving the fashion industry has become just like much more simple um and and so you can do a lot like with like out like wardrobe stuff um like just wearing simple colors but then if you have like bright red lipstick on and like messy hair don't care like oh it feels so good any outfit is better yes i know that's how i feel a lot of times it's like we can always make really good outfits there's like so many tips there but it's the little thing that like you resonate with that's like you like it's red lipstick or it's the bedhead or whatever i like that you said post-sex hair though yes 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 yes. (laughs) i love that so much and one of my other favorite things in the world outside of clothes and fashion and style is reading. Like I've always been a huge bookworm, even from a uh, little kid fiction, nonfiction. But since we're in the space of kind of like self-development and living out our big lives, what are like, like, is there a book that you read that you were like changed how you saw yourself, the world, anything? Mm. I feel and like I know it's hard so, to pick just one. I know. There's <laughs> so many. I mean, the one that feels like the natural extension of this conversation is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Good. Mm-hmm. Um, that was and and I love the way that the book reads, like these short little chapters. Mm-hmm. Um, which she she tells the story of like Elizabeth Gilbert telling her, like, hey, that's a great book, but like you're not writing it from an untamed perspective <laughs> like it doesn't feel untamed in the way that you're writing it and so she changed it to be these like short little stories and there's just so many moments of of resonance in that book and it's really about unleashing ourselves from or untaming ourselves from the like society's expectations and who we thought we were supposed to be in favor of the fullest expression of who we are so like that book definitely like cracked something open in me for sure for sure. And when you say that, like the chapter my brain immediately goes to is blowjobs. Yes. yes. I was like, if you don't read the book, just read the blowjob chapter. Yes. Um, because it will blow your mind yes. that like as one woman to another woman, that that's even something that would come out of somebody's mouth. Yes. yes. So good. I love it. <laughs> I have that book. Um, so Holly, people are obsessed with you now. Um, how can they find you? What's going on? You have a podcast. Tell mm-hmm. us all the details because we're new BFFs now. Yes, we are. Well, you're going to be coming on to Return to Wholeness, which I'm super excited about. And Return to Wholeness is my podcast that I launched in March of this year. It was something that like had been on my heart to do for a while. And I finally gave myself that permission to stop <laughs> believing stories around there's too many podcasts out there already. And like, what? A, like, I don't have anything to say. And it's been the most fun 
project for me to work on. And the whole idea of return to wholeness is is very similar to what we were talking about today is that there's so many ways in which we as women fragment ourselves in order to live into the expectations of others. And it's essentially telling stories of, of how we call those parts of ourselves back so that we can live in wholeness through different lenses, whether the lens is relationship, body image, um, sovereignty, style, which we, you and I are going to be talking about. Um, and yeah, it's just really fun to connect with so many women to, to, to hear their stories. Um, so the name of my podcast is Return to Wholeness. And it's on, I think, Spotify, um, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. And then you can always follow me on social media. I have a funny relationship with social media lately. I'm trying to like figure out how it and I will like coexist with one another. But I, I show up there a few times a week sharing like reminders about my podcast and like sometimes I'll do stories and things like that. Um, so you can certainly connect with me there, but you can also head over to my website, hollytoronto.com and learn more about the programs that I offer and things like that as well. Awesome. Yeah, we should have dove in. I, so, so we're going to do an, another episode. We're definitely going to get back together. I feel like maybe we should do one in the new year. Like yes. New Year's, like no matter what, like I, I have a love hate with New Year's um, because I hate that. But... It, it's hard to like get around it, right? Because the energy oh, yeah. is big, right? It's there. there. It's there. Over. You can't deny it. Yeah. <laughs> there is a switchover. And I'm very excited about 2022 because um, 22 gives me the 1111 energy. So I'm obsessed with that and excited about that. So we'll have to do something on social media because everyone's going to have a new social media goal in the new year. <laughs> yes. Yes. yes, yes. And, and so our feminine freedom and like how we're going to step into that for the new year. And that would be fun. So mark it on your calendar. Don't forget. And thank you so much for being here. This literally made my whole day. And I'm grateful that we had this conversation. Yeah, thank you for having me. 